Welcome, everybody, to Walking with the Savior podcast. I'm your host, John Kirkman, and today I'm here with Lindsay Bowen, an amazing humanitarian that I met in December of 2023 on a humanitarian trip in Mexico. And as I got to meet Lindsay and hear her story, I was like, she has got to share some of her experiences and her stories with the world and with this podcast. She is also the host of the podcast LDS Women Thriving and is a life coach. I'm so appreciative of her time. Lindsay, tell us a little bit about yourself and things you love to do. Well, I live in Orem, Utah right now. I play violin professionally. That's what I do for work, and I love it. It's a lot of fun. Um, I love to dance. I love to hike. I love to spend time with friends and family. And yeah, I'm active in my church. I just really enjoy being with people. Yes, that shows up very clearly on our humanitarian ship. You were there with everybody as a radiating light. So tell me, Lindsay, what kind of is your journey with the Savior and where did he come to play such a pivotal role in your life? Yeah. So for me, my parents taught me a lot about Jesus Christ when I was a kid growing up and you know, it wasn't until, you know, as a child, you start hitting little trials, little struggles that it's you realize it as an opportunity to lean on Jesus Christ and lean on the Lord for strength and for help. So for me, with different situations, I relied on him if I was ever bullied in school or if I was ever struggling and studying for tests or just growing up, different struggles. I began practicing leaning on him and trusting him. And it's over time grown into just a way of life. It's grown into how I handle my trials and how I see the world. I try really hard to, as your podcast is called Walk With the Savior, I've tried to make sure that the things I do in my life are in line with what I think he would have me do and try to keep him close to me and my heart in the things that I do. So yeah, it's just been an overtime kind of thing. It's never, it's not been a fully steady process gone up and down of trusting him and doing good and moments of not, and, but still growing in my faith in Jesus Christ over time. What is your go-to method to reconnect with him or uh, feel closer to him? There's a lot of them. I feel like for myself, it's through the very most simple is through prayer. I feel his love when I talk to him. With scripture study as well, if I consecrate some time and I give it to him and I pray and ask him to bless me to feel his spirit, I always do. When I put myself in situations where I can feel his love, like going to the temple or going to church or serving, being in situations where I can serve other people, that's when I feel closest to him. You're an incredible violinist. I've heard you play, and we'll put a link to some of your works in the show notes. How does music play a role in your worship, so to speak, or your journey? I feel like. 
My family is centered around music. That's like the center focus of our family, aside from Jesus Christ and his gospel. It's music. All my siblings play. My dad runs a music school. And so that's how I've learned to connect to my family. And because of my dad, I've had many opportunities. He's got us all, all of us kids together and composed pieces and had us play in church and had opportunities to work together to invite the Holy Ghost into different settings through music. And so I've seen and felt more sensitive to music, to the spirit that music brings because of how much it's been like at the center of my family's life. Yeah. You are a humanitarian at heart. How many humanitarian trips do you think you've been on? Well, it's crazy. I like didn't start doing humanitarian work as much until 2020. So it wasn't even something I realized I loved to do until I was 24, till I was a little bit older. And I went on a humanitarian trip to Guatemala and we visited the natives there and the different villages out in the Mayan villages um, with doctors. And I acted as a Spanish medical interpreter and served the people for a time. And that was really cool. And that's what kicked it off. And I've been on that one. I've been on, I've been to Ukraine and Poland three times now and been to Mexico now uh, once. <laughs> So it's not it's not a crazy amount, but I it's because I've recently discovered my love for it. It's not it's not like I've been doing it my whole life. <laughs> well, you're still young, so over the next 40, 50 years, I'm sure you'll be at it many more times. So what is it about humanitarian work that just touches your heart so much? I just feel like it is it is the most raw form of serving God's children. Humanitarian work is helping people meet their basic need in life when they can't. And serving them in ways that change and bless their lives. It, it's amazing. I, I have developed such a deep love for people when I've done that. Like with Ukraine. I just, it almost makes me want to cry. I love the people there so much, so much. And you feel for them. It's a risk almost when you start doing humanitarian work because you develop such a love for them. And in their suffering, you suffer with them and you feel the pain that they're going through to some extent, which is really emotionally hard. That's why some people, it's hard for them. But for me, it, it helps me feel God's love for people and see them as he does. So let's talk a little bit about Ukraine. How did this come about? Let's keep in mind, people, this is a active war zone. And you've been three times to Ukraine, correct? And you're going a fourth time here in, in a couple months. Yeah. So... So every trip is First a little all, different. <laughs> how in the world did you, I, I just can't fathom that, okay? I just, I can't wrap my brain around it that I'm going to actively seek going into a war zone to do humanitarian work 
I I mean, people are fleeing the country. Yeah, this most of my a very dangerous place. But what's what's pushing you to go there? And tell us a little bit about it. I know most of my family they don't like that I do this. They they love that I have a love for the people I want to help, but they they just worry. Mm-hmm. It's it is it is a risk and it is a little bit scary to go into those situations, especially as a single woman. In this last trip, I was the only woman. And there were about 14 men that were on the trip. So it was. Was this an organization or just a group who said, let's go do No, it was. It's it's really amazing, actually, what they've created. It's a network of like more than 100 American nonprofits that have joined together to raise funds. And they sent funding over to this one nonprofit in Ukraine called the Rivne Hub. And they send funds over and supplies over, like shipping containers. And they and it arrives there at this store, this um, storage unit that they have, this storehouse. And then they have hundreds of Ukrainian volunteers with volunteer vans that take it to the front lines. And so it's like the people that went on the trip were people were the directors of multiple nonprofits. And I am one of the I'm not the director but I'm like co-director of a nonprofit called Type of Wood Charities that works with the Rivne Hub. So that's why I went because I wanted to witness what they're doing, what I was helping with the fundraising for and be part of it pretty much serve in my own way. So tell us what did you see? Well, when I went this was in November I went 2023. Yeah, November 2023. I witnessed a lot of horror, a lot of suffering, a lot of sadness and death and destruction. But I also witnessed a lot of hope, a lot of not to describe it, just the most raw form of humanity the worst and the best of humanity in action. I think we can imagine the worst and we've seen horror pictures of, and like I get, I said, I'll post a video where you're playing the video walking through rubble. Yeah. So we can imagine the worst. We can imagine the worst. What was some of the best that you saw? Hey, you could help us understand. Well, some of the best and, I'll paint a picture for you to help better understand because everyone is a lot of people, maybe not everyone, but a lot of people have seen, like you said, the destruction. And so a lot of towns are leveled where there's the homes are just rubble. And a lot of people in these villages that were um, once occupied by Russia, but liberated by Ukraine. Most of the people that live in those villages still live in the basements because their homes are completely demolished and they are reliant on humanitarian organizations for food because they're too poor. And some of them, a lot of the people in these villages are too old. They're elderly and disabled. So several of the villages I visited that I performed violin for um, Ukrainian music and that we brought a lot of food and support for. They were, I'd say, 90% elderly women because a lot of 
these women, their husbands were either killed when the Russians came in or they were or they're on the front lines fighting or they've died at some point in the last few years. And all the young families have left Ukraine. They're the ones that have most of those have fled Ukraine. So it was a pretty crazy experience for me because I would approach some of these villages and I'm the only woman in the team. And so after performing all of these beautiful elderly Ukrainian women crying would just surround me and hug me and just, it was just really heartbreaking. And, you know, that, that reflects some of the hardship that these people are going through is just that they are, a lot of them are unable to leave the suffering. They're too old or too poor. Mm. And so that's, that's the reality of it. I remember one of the villages I visited, there was a, an old farmer, this old man. He didn't speak English. I didn't speak Ukrainian. So We'd use Google Translate to talk, and he told us the story of how he's a farmer and his fields, when the Russians came, they planted mines all over his fields. And so he can't plant or harvest anything. And he has several friends in the village that they went and tried to demine their fields by themselves and were killed because of the mines. And so he is stuck because he can't make a living and he. And so he's trying to figure out what to do with that situation. And it just situations you wouldn't, couldn't even imagine. And families with children that, that are living in a, like a shipping container because we're rebuilding their house from scratch. That's the reality of some of these people's lives. One more experience I'll share is there was one village we visited where we came up to a building that was just a shell of a building it had been bombed out. There was no electricity, no heat, no water. It was just a building. And we br- brought a ton of food and su- humanitarian supplies to this area. And, and some people told us that there were a group of orphans, children that were huddled in one of the rooms in the building. And we went up there and we saw about 11, 12 children that whose parents had been killed in the war and everything that were just living in this bombed out building, just trying to survive. And we gave them blankets and food and I, I played violin for them and we just tried to help how we could, but it was just, you had to leave. And so I sometimes think about them in the cold right now, dealing with all of these terrible things that happen with war. So I just wanted to paint that picture so you can even just try to understand what it is like over there. These people's lives have been ripped to shreds and they're just, they're in survival mode. They have been for two years. Now, on the other hand, when it comes to the hope and the joy that I've seen, it, this organization, um, the Rivne Hub, it's 100% volunteer. No one's getting paid a dime. These are people that have jobs. Doctors, construction workers, all different kinds of people that have come together. And they're from the West. 
Western Ukraine that have gone to the east. They're bringing supplies that are delivered to the West from the U.S. and different countries around the world. And then they bring it to people in need on the front lines. And just for me, seeing all of these volunteer drivers that some have been killed doing this. And some of these people that they're doing this full time, they're sacrificing their living almost to help people that are starving and that are barely surviving this war in the East. It was so beautiful. And when I went on this trip, it was all these organizations. I'd say most of them are churches, people of all different faiths, all of different faiths, that all believe in God. And most of them are all Christian faiths. And so everywhere we went, we prayed together as a group of all different faiths. So much, like five to 10 times a day. And when I got, when I ate, broke bread with their families, I felt felt the spirit so strong just testify that these were good people and that they that the Lord was using them to help this broken people. It, it was something else. It was really cool. And that's why after that trip, I'm like, I can't not be part of this. I can't forget these experiences I've had of seeing Ukrainians help Ukrainians. They're not just taking help from the U.S. and from other countries. They are helping each other survive this. And so ah, it's just, it's really beautiful. I really feel the love that you have for these people and for these experiences. It's just amazing, Lindsay. Can I ask you what it did to, how has it shaped your heart? I can see it's just had a powerful impact. Can you put it on the words how it shaped your heart? Yeah. I. First off, I when I, we went to, we went to the West and then we went up to Kiev and then I had a choice. There were several people. Um, a like a couple and another person that they just did not feel comfortable going to the east to the front lines, and some of them had children, and so they decided to turn back. And for me, I was it. I was it was nighttime, and it was the night before we were going the east for a week. And I just knelt down and I prayed for two hours. I prayed for a long time, and just to make sure that this was the right thing to do, because. I mean, people are dying, a lot of people every day. And I don't know. I just want to make sure it was the Lord's will for me to go. And the answer that I received from the Lord was just very simply, if you go, you will help a lot of people. You will be able to lift a lot of spirits and help people. But what you see and witness may impact you. You may have to take some time to recover from what you've seen. And you may need to have some time to digest and work through it, which is 100% how it's been. <laughs> and so when I went, it was very intentional and trusting that the feeling that the Lord would protect me and would protect us. And, and he did. And most of the roads in the east are lined with mines, at least the areas that the Russians occupied. And so it is 
scary even just to travel because if your car even goes a little too far off, like just takes a wheel slightly off the road, it could um, blow up. So just understand the magnitude of what I was getting into. Um, And we had first aid kits and tourniquets for every one of us, just in case any of us um, got injured. Um, So it has impacted my heart because of all the images in my mind of the people that I saw of the people I've held as they cried in my arms because of what horrors they're experiencing. And it's just hard for me to come back to the United States and feel such peace here and have such a tranquil life when I know that over there it's high alert like severe suffering in every way people that are just surviving it's uh it's hard it's hard it's why in some ways people think you're crazy why are you going back there you just came back because i i can't stay here i have to help in some way (laughs) and that was like the most impactful way for me to help was playing Ukrainian music and having people just shed tears that they've been holding in. They've had to be strong for so long and have stone faces and have a calloused heart because they've witnessed such horror. And I've, in some way, I've been able to bring some sense of healing and peace that they need. And so it's worth it. So you're not... So you're in a group handing out food, distributing supplies, and then you go grab your violin and start playing. Is that a a, a daily thing, a hourly thing? Every we did this so often. Is that we did this for We did this for about ten villages where we would come in, and everyone would be distributing bread and everything to the people, and there would be a crowd of people in the center of the village. They're coming out and we bring food and supplies. And meanwhile, while people are handing it out, I'm playing music. And so, and then also uh, there's been other situations where we've handed out all the food and then we sit together and have a meeting with the village and the village council is there and we um, have opportunity to speak speak to them and give them hope and strength. And then I play some songs for them. So it's been a little different every time whenever we stop at a different village. I know that in April, I'm planning on performing violin for um, military units, a lot more hospitals. So, yeah, that, that, that's, that's the groups that we're playing for, that I'm playing for and that we're, that we're trying to help. I'm just imagining there's not much music in these people's lives right now. I, not live music. Not music that stirs the soul and heals a broken heart. There's nothing like a violin, the pure sound of a beautiful violin that can really dig into the inner crevices of the soul. Reach Mm -hmm. places that you didn't realize were hurting and heal. Mm -hmm. I feel like this is a gift 
God has given me. I, I was just going to say. When I first heard about the war going on, I didn't even know where in the world on the map Ukraine was. I simply felt prompted by the spirit that I was going to get involved in this and that I needed to take action and do what I feel like I should do. And doors have just opened for me to work with different nonprofits and then to go and visit Ukraine. The first time I went, I got appendicitis at the border of Ukraine and Poland and had to get an appendectomy emergency surgery in Poland. And that was the worst experience of my life. Very, very faith building experience. And it was it was hard. A lot of abuse in that hospital, a lot of struggle, a lot of questions of why did I come all this way if I'm just be in the hospital the whole time. But in that experience, I, ha- I saw a lot of, witnessed a lot of miracles and, and blessings that I, I needed. Well, I, through that experience, I knew the Lord knew me and opened the door for me to come back and do more good. How did you see the Savior's hand working with you throughout this experience? God has opened doors that I never could have imagined possible. I have been able to play violin and use music as such a healing tool that these people, most of them have not had that. And so being able to use my gifts to bless them is its amazing. It's so cool. And... Everybody has their gift. Everyone has their talent that they can give. And one thing I've learned is that if you will simply offer your talents and gifts to the Lord, put it on the altar, He will sanctify those gifts you have for you to serve and do good for other people. And y'all, you have to build a trust and a faith that He will open the doors and that He will. And then you have to have the faith to walk through them. When the Lord says, go to Ukraine and play on the front lines for the people, you go and do. Even if it kind of goes against all logic. And it doesn't seem like the safe or the wise thing to do. I have no regrets. No regrets. Yeah. And I love them. I love your faith. I love... I love the Ukrainian people with all my heart. I just love them. And I just wish that their suffering could end. I think that's the hardest part for me is that the suffering continues and continues. And I was struggling with that even last night, praying to the Lord and saying, like, are my prayers for you to help Ukraine? Are they working? Are they going anywhere? You gotta help them. And it came to my mind that they're the Lord's, they're God's children too, that He has not forgotten them. And even in their pains and struggles, He will sanctify their pains and struggles for their good one day. And then it, I have to trust Him. And sometimes that's hard. How has this impacted your gratitude on life? I have never been so grateful for my freedom in my country. 
United States. I, the feeling, I can't even hardly describe it, but entering into Ukraine, the feeling of unease and fear and stress are just in the air. Feel it. You can feel liberty being under attack in their country. I, I can't describe the feeling, but it's there. And then once I entered back into the United States, the feeling of peace and safety entered my soul. Uh, and a feeling of overwhelming feeling of gratitude came to my heart of, wow, I am very blessed that we don't have bombs flying and missiles flying in the sky and the threat of being killed and having my freedoms ripped from me. It, it's, it's something that I've never appreciated to this level before. And even the basic needs being met of food and shelter and warmth is probably the biggest one because Ukraine right now is so cold. It, it, it's hard to imagine people that are right now living in their basements and cellars, freezing half to death and not, and they can't do much about it. So it's, <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. That's why with these non-pro this nonprofit, like some of the things that they're doing, like they bring out hot meals to these villages and give everyone in the village a, a warm meal. And they go from village to village and they feed two thousand people a month. And it caught like to keep it running is a thousand US dollars to feed two thousand Ukrainians. Right now is that, is that crazy? Because <laughs> the dollar, US dollar is is so much more powerful in Ukraine. It's significantly more powerful. With, for all the bread ovens, they have 55 bread ovens all over Ukraine where we're sending flour and the oven and they have volunteers baking bread around the clock. 44,000 loaves of bread a week that they're then taking to the front lines incredible they've rebuilt about 300 homes costs about two thousand dollars to rebuild a full roof windows frames and with firewood they about three thousand dollars for a semi truck of firewood to keep a village warm all of these different things it's eight thousand dollars for us to send a shipping container full of humanitarian supplies and this organization has sent over about 275 shipping containers which is awesome wow. so tell us how listeners can contribute if we're interested in contributing i know i am yeah of course there's a couple different ways you can contribute the most simple and honestly the most helpful way is donations because in the U.S., most of the work we're doing here is gathering donations to then send to Ukraine. And then the Ukrainians are volunteers and they do all the distributing and organizing. So if you are to go to, there's two different ways you can donate. You can donate through the nonprofit that I work with and get tax deduction. And that is going to typeofwoodcharities.org. You can just type it in just like that, typeofwoodcharities.org. And on there, you can donate to a specific need if you want to help something very specific, or you can just donate 
an amount and indicate what project you want to go to, want it to go to. Or if you wanted to send some funding just specifically to me that right now I'm gathering funds for that hot kitchen that they're taking to all the villages. Um, I'm right, like, it's a thousand dollars to feed 2000 people so far. I've raised about 1200 this week. And the more I, the more I raise, the more I can help and send it over to help fund that project. And you could just Venmo me at, at Lindsay, L I N D S E Y C as in cat B O H N. That's just, you can just send a Venmo over and. I promise that you can count on me to deliver it to the front lines when I go in April. And uh, Lindsay, we'll put all that info in the show notes. What would be your witness to the world about Jesus Christ in times of war? Just to kind of finish up. Jesus Christ is present. And even the most horrific of circumstances. He is there when a mother is holding her children and the lights are out and missiles are flying. He's there when a family is living in a basement and just trying to survive in the freezing cold. Their home is destroyed. He's there when Ukrainians are serving their fellow man, their own people and trying to lift them out of their pain. He's there in all of this. Even, even with the Ukrainian soldiers as they're dying on the front lines, and the Russian soldiers that don't realize what they're doing. It, he's there in all of it. With war being such a terrible, terrible thing, there's so much suffering and there's so many victims. I mean... In my opinion, Jesus Christ's atonement is the only thing that makes all of it okay. We can trust that all the suffering and all the pain, he's covered it. He, he is with them in their pain and suffering, and he will make it all okay in the end. I feel like if you look for him, you'll find him, even in some of the darkest of places, like um, in these destroyed villages on the front lines, where there's desperation and pain and sadness. No, he's, he's there. And it's been a blessing for me to, in some ways, along with this team, represent him in lifting the hands that are weary and helping in some small way that's my answer is he's in all of it he's in all of it i think one thing that i witness here today is that he's in your heart inspiring you to do love everywhere you go and you know i i know you you just Radiate love and kindness when I saw you in Mexico working in the orphanage, the kindness that you had for the children, the kindness that you had for us, the Americans who came to join you. It was just evident everywhere. And I think we have to see that Jesus inspires love. And when we feel love, 
we're feeling his influence, even if we don't acknowledge it or don't recognize it. Jesus inspires love. I love the the imagery of these women coming out of their their basements, their homes, and surrounding you with tears and giving you hugs. And it's amazing how love can can cross the the language barrier. Music too. How love can just yeah, love and music can cross the language barrier and bring people together. <laughs> and at the end of the day, Jesus is love and that's what brings us together. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever forget that. They're playing for a group of women that, yeah, that surrounded me. There's one woman came up to me with flowers that she picked from her front yard for me. And they were speaking to me a ton in Ukrainian. I didn't understand a word, but then I gave them a hug. <laughs> and yeah, Jesus is love. Yeah, so cool. Thank you so much for being with us today, Lindsay, and inspire me to to be grateful, to have a little bit more love in my life, to reach out for the hurting around us, because there are people hurting right here. We like to cover it up and hide it here in America, but people are hurting. And in fact, I believe most people are hurting in some way. Right. In some way, they got some stress, they got some anxiety, and most people just need love. And so they may not listen to a message about Jesus Christ, but kindness and caring and compassion and love go a long way towards helping people feel the Savior's love and feel the Savior's influence in their life. Yeah. So thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Lindsay has an incredible video of her playing the violin in Ukraine. I will put a link to it in the show notes. Please go check it out. It is moving and inspiring. Well, that's it for this week on Walking with the Savior. I'm so appreciative of all you who have tuned in. We would really appreciate it if you would like this, if you're watching on YouTube, or leave us a review on Amazon Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, wherever you're listening to this. Leave a review. And if possible, share this with a friend who might enjoy it. I'll have all the information to reach Lindsay in the show notes if you'd like to donate. And I just want to thank everybody for joining us and wish you a great week. And most of all, enjoy your walk with the Savior, everybody. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye.